Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 170, and we are recording on Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing today? Doing all right. I can't believe it is February. Insert gasp of shock of fast <laughs> moving of time and, and so on. Yes, and let I just... I'm so grateful that January is over. I don't think anyone had a good start to 2024. <laughs> and I am very much looking forward to longer days, hopefully warmer weather. I think it may actually get into the 50s uh, out in Chicagoland this week. I, I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything. But <laughs> we had um, we did have a snowstorm in the middle of January that was you know, fairly, fairly significant. Um, it was more than like every other time they've predicted a snowstorm in this area for the last couple of years. It's like barely enough to make a footprint in the grass. Like I'm like, I can still see bare patches of grass. This was not, this was not a snowstorm, but this one, this one, we got some snow. And so now like the snow piles are finally like almost completely gone. So I'm like, oh, spring is coming. <laughs> uh, the Corgis did not like the cold weather that we had down here and mind you it is not like cold weather for chicago it's cold weather for the south oh yeah but it, <laughs> it did get below freezing at night for several nights in a row and i mean that's, they were, that's cold i'm very gas i mean i know there there are people in chicago that like it gets 35 and they're out in shorts you know cooking out in the backyard like that is a stereotype <laughs> for a reason um but yeah Around freezing, I'm like, yeah, that's chilly. I don't care to be outside in that. And if you're not used to that, then yeah, it's it's terrible. Uh, but it turned out, you know, it turned out okay. I read a lot of great books, so that was nice. So, you know. I'm so jealous. I played a lot of video games. I played a lot of Lego Star Wars in January is what I did. <laughs> you know, that is a good choice. We, <laughs> it we, is we'll a choice. <laughs> <laughs> it is a choice. You are you are right about that. Um, but it's a basic enough game that I I think I did have a couple of times where I did put on an audiobook while I was playing it because I didn't need to pay attention too much. I was just shooting down TIE fighters and stuff. But anyway, yeah. um <laughs> I don't want to go down the uh to go down the Star Wars rabbit hole too much. Um I do before we jump into stuff, I do want to uh just send a very quick word of thanks to Liberty for jumping in for me last minute for the last episode. Um if people weren't aware, um my husband and I had to say goodbye to one of our cats a few days before we we're set to record this episode and um, I was not doing great. So um, didn't uh, being able to just take a little bit of time was um, very helpful, um, doing much better. Um, and so, yes, thank you very much, Liberty, for 
for that. Um, but what I was going to say, since you read so many fantastic books in January, do you want to talk about one of the 20 that you <laughs> that you read? Um, well, one of the ones – I talked about one uh, last episode, which was The Dangers of Smoking in Bed by Mariana Enriquez, uh, translated by Megan McDowell. You know, well, finished that, loved it. I'm doing a short story a day challenge in 2024. And so my next short story collection is is Nothing Gold Can Stay by Ron Rash. And he is not a, strictly speaking, a like a crime writer or a mystery writer, but he does do a lot of like crime fiction, sort of like David Joy does, right? David Joy is a literary fiction writer that uses a lot of crime like genre elements. A lot of people like designate his stuff as crime, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever you want to call it. As long as you buy it, read it. I don't think he cares. Uh, So like with Ron (laughs) Rash, it's kind of a similar vibe. Some of the short stories are about crimes that happen. In fact, a lot of them are. Um, And so if you like literary fiction and you like that kind of, you know, bookish vibe of that borderland in literary fiction, in crime. Um, you know, Ron Rash does it all. He, I've never, I don't think I've read a novel of his yet. And that's later on. I'm going to a conference called Appalachian uh, Studies Association's conference, annual conference. So we call it ASA or App Studies. And um, I, App Studies, we're going to Western Carolina. That's like Ron Rash's like home turf. And um, so I was like, I need to have read some of the stuff in case I actually see someone who wants to talk to me about it because it's kind of my job. And so <laughs> so I have a bunch of his books that I recently bought and we're going through them. So I'm sure we'll talk about them later in the year as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what have you been reading or about to read or recently finished? Whatever you want to share. Um, yeah, I haven't uh, – I haven't uh, done a ton of podcast relevant reading, but one book that a friend of mine uh, recommended to me, well, first off, she is, if we're going to use the phrasing that the young people use nowadays, she is in her dark academia era. (laughs) And she like, she read uh, The Secret History uh, like a year or two ago. And she's like, I've read it like five times since then. And she's just been just consuming all of the dark academia that she can. And she t- she's been giving me updates on a lot of these books. And the one of the more recent ones she was telling about, she was just like, girl, is uh, <laughs> Bunny by Mona Awad. And she was like, this book is bonkers. And she is like, when she finished reading it, her first thought was, Katie needs to read it so that we can talk about it. I'm like, all right, you've you've sparked my interest. Um, she shares my love of things dark, demented, and disturbing, so she knows exactly what kind of stuff uh, I I get excited about. Like she and I are very much on the same wavelength. Um, so when she gives me a book recommendation, I usually I usually pay attention. Um, and Mona Awad has written um, has written a few books. Rouge is her most recent one, but Bunny came out I think in like 2019. Um, and the, just the, the gist of it is that you have Samantha who is part of a, uh, MFA program in New England and she finds herself drawn into this, uh, clique of rich New England girls who call, they all call each other bunny. 
and like that they're, they're like it, it's like the heathers kind of um and so she receives an invitation to what is known as their smut salon and she just is kind of drawn into this very dark sinister world but what sets this book apart is just the dark humor underlying all of it and that was what my friend really really loved she was just like this book is so ridiculous it knows it's ridiculous and it just goes all in on it um so i was like that sounds fantastic so and because i know she's going to be checking up on me to see if i've read it um i have not yet procured a copy but i plan to do that soon and of course i know this book was making the making the rounds at book riot when it came out i know that um i think i think liberty probably talked about this book um, liberty book Yep. <laughs> and but yeah, yeah, I remember it getting a lot of attention when uh when it came out and it had always kind of been on my radar as one to maybe pick up and then my friend uh bumped it up much closer to the top. So um yeah, again that is Bunny by Mona Awad. All right. And then before um before we jump in, um you've got our you've got an update on Read Harder. Yes. So uh, it is the 10th year of the Read Harder Challenge, which is a group of prompts that really uh, ins- inspires reader and, in- and challenges readers, for lack of a better term, to read more diversely. And so uh, really, this was one of the first big reading challenges that really, you know, um, set a tone for the online bookish community. Now, everyone and their mother's brother has a reading challenge. And so... Uh, for this year, there is now an exclusive uh, newsletter for the Read Harder Challenge where you will get prompts and you will get uh, all sorts of different things. Dylan has arrived to also talk about it, <laughs> so in case you were wondering. Um, he also loves the Read Harder Challenge. He's he's <laughs> very voracious reader, but I digress. Uh, so the Read Harder Challenge, there's a new newsletter. And if you become a paid subscriber, you can get even more recommendations, plus like community features. One of the key features I think of this is if you get stuck on a prompt, you can like crowdsource it and send out a message to other folks asking if they have um, a recommendation for that particular prompt or challenge. And so um, that is incredibly useful. So you can visit bookriot.com slash read harder to sign up. Um, and of course that will be linked in the show notes. I, I love D- Dylan tippy tapping with excitement. Yeah. Apparently I didn't close the door all the way. And so he must've been done dinner and just decided he was going to join us. So welcome Dylan and your tiny tot toenails. <laughs> as we call them. Um, but he'll just sit on the rug and go to sleep. But if he has opinions, he'll let everyone know. He's like that. <laughs> All right. Before um, we jump in, we've got our pause for our first official sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my 
hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are new to the show, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We're so happy to have all of you with us. And I just love the fact that you continue to put our podcast in your ears every two weeks. It's just, it's just so fantastic. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and anything and everything that is tangentially related, whether we're talking about all of the, the variety of subgenres that exist under that giant umbrella, we might be talking about true crime news, movie adaptations, awards, author read-alikes, anything along those lines is fair game for us to talk about. And this is the part of the episode where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for upcoming show suggestions. It really does help us plan out what we want to talk about every two weeks. It helps us know what you the listeners would like to hear more of it helps us expand our own reading horizons and we really have used a lot of listener suggestions over the years that we've been doing this podcast so keep the ideas coming so if you have any ideas or recommendations um you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. You don't have to get it down now. We just put out the call ahead of time so you can, you know, get those creative juices flowing while you listen. And even if you don't have an idea, but you just want to say hi, that is also fantastic. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you haven't already, um, leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts if you've enjoyed listening to us so that other people can find us. So 
news uh for a long for a while the our new our new segment was pretty light and then all of a sudden there's just all of this relevant stuff so (laughs) shall we start with uh the shall we start with the more of the positive or more of the wtf side well why why don't we start with drama drama everyone loves drama right um okay so uh, would you like me to describe what was going on with this? Yes, jump in. I mean, I'm I know the basic situation, but I'm still still trying to digest it. But yes, please kick us off. So uh, last week, I was just hanging out on uh, TikTok like you do, um, and I heard about an author I had personally never heard of, J.D. Barker, who um, had basically pitched a bunch of, from what I understand, mostly all of them are young women. He pitched them to take photos of themselves in compromising positions of various kinds um, and then send him the photos and then he would decide if he liked them or not. And if he liked them, then he would pay for them to be as part of the campaign for his new book. Um, And, you know, just the, the gall, but also like if he liked them, then they would get paid. Anyway, so obviously this is a huge issue and he's been dropped by um, his agent. I'm assuming his publisher also dropped him. Oh, I hope so. Um, I, we will link a official article uh, from Publishers Weekly in the show notes. You can go see the like journalistic version of the story as opposed to like uh, falling down the rabbit hole on TikTok that I would recommend you going on book talk and falling down that hole. If you would like to have reenactments, it's amazing. Anyway, um, let me tell you, news from book talk is just told like no other. Anyway, so obviously this is a huge problem um, and gross. And, um, you know, he definitely deserved – I mean, he's lucky he's – surely that's illegal in some way or something, right? You would think. He's, He's lucky he only got dropped. Yeah, by his agent, and I'm assuming his publisher. I don't know if he was, but yeah, I've only heard about the agent. Um, yeah, I mean, I this whole situation, and I, as I, I will scroll through TikTok, but I'm not on Book Talk as much. I kind of get a lot of that stuff second or third hand, like reports from things that going on in Book Talk, and this was how I first heard about this situation. Um. And yeah, I was, when I read about this, I, I also had never heard of him. Apparently he has, uh, he has co-written at, uh, at least one, I think, uh, more than one book with James Patterson, which I think is where a big chunk of his reader, his recent readership has come from. But other than that, I had not, I had not heard of him or read any of his books and, yeah, he. My understanding is that the initial email that went out went out solely to young women who were book influencers on TikTok. So there's that point. This was definitely a targeted campaign, and the idea was that the his latest book is spicy, and so one of the recommendations was yeah to I. The recommend was to use the book cover to 
for the the person to cover their quote unquote naughty bits. And as soon as I read that, I just went, oh no, <laughs> like oh, this is terrible on so many levels. But the fact that it included that phrase just makes it so much worse. <laughs> and the other thing too, is that my understanding from, you know, from what other people have said is that he, he said, you know, oh, this, this campaign, I did not approve this campaign, but he's one of the co-founders of the publicity of the marketing group that sent the email. So I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't successfully packed the, pass the buck there. That is for sure. He passed the buck to himself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, you're not even being like you're not, you're not even like trying at this point. Um yeah, it's it's just been a hot mess and it's like, well, I don't think a whole lot of people knew his name cuz all the other like if you look at the comments on a lot of these videos or just articles about what happened, people are like, I've never heard of this guy. Well, people know who he is now. And some people will argue that uh there's no such thing as bad publicity, but I can safely say I had, I mean, I don't think I would have picked up one of his books anyway. I can safely say I have no interest in reading any of his, uh, any of his materials. And yeah, this is not how you go about marketing a book. And for love that, that is of all that is good and decent, can people just not be creepy like can yeah. we just not yeah <laughs> like it, he it, had so mm. many choices and, they and all were yet wrong. <laughs> yeah so many bad decisions um so take so hopefully authors are looking at this as a prime example of what not to do both in yes. terms of marketing the book and being a human being yes um and while you're talking, I looked up in the article, and it says at the bottom of this article in Publishers Weekly, which was published the 26th of January, it says, at press time, Barker's publisher, Hampton Creek Press, could not reach be reached for comment. So as of that article, he was not dropped. But I, I kind of, you know, I kind of hope he is. You know, I really, really do. Um, as someone who has experienced a fair share of creepy men um, saying creepy things about uh, my body on the internet. Uh, I am, yeah. I he deserves a comeuppance. That is, to put it mildly, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was the drama, and I, I don't know. Again, I don't know how he why he thought he'd get away with it, but yeah, anyway, it's like what could, made you think this was a good idea? <laughs> women have been wondering about the audacity of men for time immemorial. So. <laughs> You know, um, but we have other news, so we could just spiral here. But we have actually happy news, better um, news, which um, you put in the agenda, and I was very excited about. Yes, so the happier news is that the Edgar Award nominees for 2024 have been announced, and I am always so excited for the Edgar Awards. I know we cover it every year when they announce the winners. We usually will read a handful of the nominees leading up to the award ceremony, which is usually like at the end of April, I think. And yeah, it's I I just I love the Edgar Awards so much. And I love the not and I love the shortlist because as always, 
the winners are great, but the shortlists are where you really get the meat of like what award lists can offer. And that is a million and one ways to make your TBR cry. Um, but yeah, this, I think there's a really, there's a solid, uh, slate of nominees for best novel i have actually already read two of them and so for that i am very proud of myself um both all the sinners bleed by s.a cosby and bright young women by jessica knoll have been nominated i now not having read the other ones which also include crook manifesto by colson whitehead an honest man by michael carita i've read some of his uh books before I would not be surprised in the slightest if All the Sinners Bleed wins the best novel this year. I just, I would not be surprised yeah, at all. I, I agree. I I think it definitely in the top running. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I and think, one of his best, his best novel so far. Yeah. It's, it's shown up on every, like, not only every, like, every best mystery and thriller list for 2023, but it's also shown up, I think on just best books of the year. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. It was so amazing. I listened to it on audio at the end of 2023 and um, I am here to support all of Ken, all of uh, Kendra's cheerleading for S.A. Cosby and for that book in particular, if you haven't read it, it is dark. It comes with like pretty much every trigger warning you can possibly imagine, but oh my gosh, it is so, so good. But along with that, they have uh, Best First Novel by an American Author, Best Paperback Original, Best Fact Crime, which is what they call true crime. They have Best Juvenile, um, Best Young Adult, um, the the Mary Higgins Clark Award, the Grandmasters uh, for the ceremony will be Catherine Hall Page and my personal hero, R.L. Stein. I was I was a Goosebumps kid when I was six years old. I got to meet R.L. Stein and get an autograph from him. He is my hero, so I'm very excited to see that he will be uh, that he will be recognized at the award ceremony. But yeah, there's the Sue Grafton Memorial Award. There's just oh my gosh, there's just so much good reading in these mm-hmm. in these lists. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, oh, I, I didn't even, somehow I missed that there's a juvenile category. Definitely be revisiting that this year. Uh, so many great ones. So, um, sorry, not sorry for your TBRs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that should be, that should just be the tagline for this entire podcast. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's definitely in the running. Yeah. All right. So yes, we will have a link to the official um, I guess, it's, yeah, the official PDF um, with all of the nominees. And yeah, we are not responsible for what happens to your TBRs, but hopefully you all are as excited as we are. And then, yeah, let's let's go ahead and um, jump into our our main discussion, which I um, I had seen a book list that Book Riot had published within the last couple of months. It was a fairly recent one, but it was talking about books with very threatening titles. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yeah, there are some really fantastic threatening titles for a lot of the books that we read. And I was like, yeah, this, this is kind of, kind of a fun way to, to pick, um, 
to pick some some new reads. I always I always think the the threatening titles are just they're just part of the fun of reading suspense novels. It just adds that extra little layer to it. <laughs> and I am I am excited for you to talk about your first pick and also secretly hating you because this song is going to be stuck <laughs> in my head for like the next two days. But <laughs> let me tell you, it has been stuck in my head for two weeks because of this book. Uh, just having it there on my TBR. Um, and that is Goodbye Earl by the wonderful genre-crossing Lisa Cross Smith, a Kentucky writer from Louisville. And uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of her. And one of the things that I love about this book is that she made her debut with literary romance, right? And that's what she's written up um for the most part, up until this point, are is that like that edge of literary romance, those blending of genres. This one is definitely a like a literary crime book. So as the title would suggest, um, we have some terrible men, right? Um, so we have this this group of women, and Casey, who arguably is the protagonist of the four that we follow um we get a dual timeline so one of the timelines is her growing up hanging out with her friends but then going home to her stepfather who is horrible like we all know the song goodbye earl he is very abusive towards her mother um, and she cannot wait to escape and then the other timeline that we're like bouncing back and forth with alternating chapters, the other timeline is in 2019 when she is back for a wedding of a friend. And so the, you know, the four friends are back together for the first time in their hometown, the first time since Casey, our protagonist, left. Um, but they quickly find out that one of the four is married to a local guy who has a, is from a very powerful family but he is very violent towards her. And so we kind of on both timelines are like, what is going to happen to these guys? Are these women like going to do a goodbye Earl? Like what is going to happen? And that is really the tension throughout the whole book is one, not two, what ifs. And one of the themes I love about this is we, we learn that like, not learn, but we are, re the idea is reinforced that the law system is not always just. And I think that women are really the stars of the show. And I don't know, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> I mean, the song is fun. I, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie here. I love that song. <laughs> the chicks make many of an appearance, which is great. And they call like these terrible men Earl. That's their code name. Nice. For them is Earl. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am, and I'm just I'm taken back to the I like I I actually vividly remember seeing the music video for the first time for Goodbye Earl because I remember my mom showing it to me because we had this we had the CD and my mom's like have you seen the video I was like I don't know ten and she and we watched it and she and she's like what do you think I'm like I didn't like that. <laughs> And then I got older and I was just like, wow, that was great. <laughs> I I always liked it. Men always frustrated me from an early age. I guess I had an older brother, which will do that to you. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, not sorry, uh, older brother. He doesn't listen to this. It's fine. Um, 
So, uh, you know, one of the things that I really love about Lisa Crossmith is that the cozy feel, whatever genre she is just playing around with, um, you're going to have that cozy feel. You're get like wholesome love vibes. Uh, the theme of all of her books is love and the things that people do for love and what that looks like. And that can be loving yourself. It can be loving someone else, loving your kids, parents, whatever, loving a place. And so that's something I really appreciate is that she tackles – Dylan also loves this. If you can hear his rumbling <laughs> in the background as he wallows on the freshly vacuumed carpet. Um, love is always the – is the center stage. So anyway, I could talk about this book for a while because it is a lot of fun. So definitely check it out. And that is Goodbye Earl by the wonderful Lisa Cross Smith. And I love the – with the theme of threatening titles, like it only really takes on a threat if you know the song. Yes. So it's like a threatening title with like the hidden meaning. Like if you know the song, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> it also does not have a comma for direct address. And I've been like, sil- like in a very silly way, like stressing over the fact that it doesn't have a comma in the title. And so if anyone would like to email me about why, is that like a direct reference to the song? Was that originally a mistake in the song? Is it okay that we continue that mistake in the title? These are the things I wonder about late at night. Yeah, I was going to say, these are the questions that keep you up at night. (laughs) Anyway, someone answer that for me. I would be greatly appreciative. Katie, what is your first pick? Oh, my goodness. Um... Well, before I get to my next pick, let's go ahead and take a pause for our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by WW Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student, but how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden, and thanks again to WW Norton & Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her Albachan died, Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K. Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. 
All right. So my first pick is Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Kurian, which came out a few years ago, 2021. It's a new, it's a newer book. And the the book has a few different uh, narrators. And they the action centers around if we're going to talk about dark academia this would this would fit the bill the main main character is chloe who is a freshman at adams university she is a diagnosed psychopath and she is there as part of a clinical study for people who are diagnosed psychopaths about it's a study to understand their emotional responses or lack thereof, their cognitive responses, you know, how they navigate through the world, potentially teach them more um, socially acceptable ways of handling different, different struggles in life and getting through interpersonal relationships more smoothly. But yeah, so she's part of this, this study. And she is also there for her own reasons, which is to kill another student named Will, who is someone that she knew when she was a kid and who who assaulted her when they were when they were younger. So trigger trigger warning for that. And so she's taking part in the study, but her focus is she is going to kill Will. And she knows she knows what she is, or she knows that she is a diagnosed psychopath. She understands what that means, and you are in her head as she plots and and manipulates people around her. And it's really it's kind it's kind of chilling. And then while she's in the process of trying to figure stuff out, there's another student in the same study that she's a part of who is found murdered in the psychology building. And shortly after that murder, there is another person from the study who is killed. And she suddenly realizes or believes that someone is targeting the students within the study, even though it's kept a very, uh, it's, it's kept very secret who's in the study and why they are in the study because that, you know, it would, it might alarm people. And for the purposes of the study, the other students aren't supposed to know who's who. So, so begins a game of cat and mouse as Chloe tries to figure out who is murdering people. Is she one of the targets? Why are they doing what they're doing? And then she enlists the help of a couple of other people who she finds out through different means that are also part of the study. It's it's a small group of students and it's getting smaller. And they they so they are trying to figure out what's going on, but they are also manipulating each other. Everyone has ulterior motives, and you can never trust what is going on like the the idea of the unreliable narrator well we've got like three or four unreliable narrators in this book and yeah it is over the top and such a page turner and yeah you there's there's some suspension of disbelief that it just the the premise is already just bonkers so go into it knowing that it's going to be bonkers and yeah and i think you're gonna have 
you're going to have a fun time. And yeah, I, I, for me, some of these books or books that, that have the focus of having a character who is a quote unquote diagnosed psychopath is it can, it can be hit or miss. And so this one, this one has been, has been very entertaining. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's just, it's over the top. You don't know who's, you don't know if what the narrator is telling you, the reader is true. You don't know if what they're telling the other people is true. You're finding out new stuff. You go, Hey, wait a minute. And learning new information. And it's just a tangled web of storylines and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, never saw me coming by Vera Kurian. All right. Well, we also have a special narrator, I guess, for uh, my next pick, and that is For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing. This is about Teddy Crusher, who is teaching at this like private school. He's won the Teacher of the Year Award. Um, you know, he's students love him. But in reality, he hates all of his students for the most part. He really just hates everyone. Um, he really, um, I hates especially he hates te- like the parents of students. Like we are getting this story mostly from his perspective, and so I really like the title as a threat for your own good because he does a lot of stuff, violent things to other people, um, through various means and he kind of comes at it from that perspective. Um, anyway, so this is like a brilliantly performed audiobook as well um, with, I'll put the narrator in the, in the show notes um, because it's escaping me at the moment. But what I love about this book is that the narrate, the narrative voice is so strong. So when I heard that Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to be developing this t- into a movie, and I hope he still is after all of, you know, the writer's, um, strikes and different things um, because he would be amazing as this villain as our protagonist you know <laughs> like phenomenal phenomenal he's charming he's handsome but he can pull off i hate you like no one else just i mean look at him in sh- you know his sherlock holmes movies like it's amazing so i think you'd be perfect for this and this is like a, I, I love a book about a school. I'm a sucker for a book about a school. I don't know if it's because I was homeschooled and I love college. You know, like I don't – I just feel like I missed out on a lot of like fun times at school because I'm a nerd. But um, I think this is amazing and I love like the politics of the parents and the teachers and like all this stuff. So anyway, so this is basically a series of him making some mistakes in his attempts to teach people lessons um as well so would recommend it is a lot of fun you just have to go into it knowing that you're going to be in the head of a despicable person and just roll with it but i feel like listeners of this podcast get that you know (laughs) it's it's one of the uh occupational hazards yeah and i love i love a novel from a villain's perspective you know Mm -hmm. i don't know why that is i just find villains oftentimes more interesting than like prince charmings of the world you know so um this is a villain who portrays himself as a prince charming i guess (laughs) um and that is for your own good by samantha downing yeah as you were talking about it i was thinking i have so many friends who are either 
current teachers or formerly work were teachers or worked in a school district. And I'm like, they will either love the premise or it will bring back so many bad memories that they'll start hyperventilating. <laughs> because the 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 school life and the educator life is no joke. <laughs> Regardless if you are the character in that book or just trying to get through it in real life, I that 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 is that is a stressful place to be in. So I'm like, yeah, this could either be cathartic or traumatizing. It is it is um it is just amazing. And there's a politics between teachers, like for example, very early on in the book, um, he has this plan to poison a K cup. Uh, that a particular teacher is used, and I won't say who, um, because this teacher is very bougie and buys a very particular type of K cup. So he, you know, figures out through experimentation how much like poison he would need to inject into the K cup, and how can you do that without someone noticing? Like, it's a whole process that I never knew I needed to know. So just fun little factoids <laughs> like that throughout the book. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Well, I that's actually I mean not the poisoning of the K cup, but the <laughs> the idea of like of, you know, the villain as the narrator. Well, I mean my other book was villain as the narrator, but anyway, my second pick is one that I have talked about on the this show before, but I really really liked it. It was See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. And this is a fictionalized retelling um, or a fictionalized account of the Lizzie Borden murders. And I also read this book. I had either finished it shortly before or finished it shortly after I visited the actual Lizzie Borden house in Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, I toured, I took the tour of the house and saw all of the points in the house as, you know, as the tour guide, you know, kind of reconstructed the narrative as we know it of what happened that day that Lizzie Borden's, um, I think it was, it was her father and her stepmother, uh, were murdered. And so the pairing of those two things, the tour of the house and the reading of the book, I think just cemented it in my head. But even if it had, even if those two things hadn't coincided, I think I would have really, I, I think I would still have really enjoyed the book. It is a sensory, visceral experience and not it, it's in a very well done way, but this is not a book that leaves you with happy, fuzzy feelings. It you feel hot, you feel gross, you feel slimy, you feel gritty. Like I've ha I remember having a similar visceral experience the first time I read Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. And this book, it's it's like a fever dream. The it's hard to pinpoint what exactly is happening at times. You don't know who to believe or which point of view to believe because you get some of the points of view from Lizzie's perspective. I think part of the story is told from her sister's perspective. And um, you just like there's the all of the characters are trying to piece together the clues of what happened. You get details leading up to the point when um, her parents are murdered and you're just trying to put this all together, but it's it's all like you just feel this oppressive heat from because this happened in August, and there you just have all of these sensory feelings 
along with the construction of this narrative that no one has ever been able to that no one to this day knows what happened. This is one of the most infamous cold cases in true crime history, in American history. Um, and yeah, I mean, I there's not much to give about the plot because most people, especially if you're a mystery and suspense fan or if you grew up in the in the US, you are at least passingly familiar with um, with Lizzie Borden and the murders that she was uh, that she was put on trial for, and then um, eventually was was not uh, she was not found guilty. They didn't have no they didn't have proof that she did it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just this just this sensory experience, and it has a on Goodreads it has a. a I don't know if it's a surprisingly low rating. I mean, it's still over three stars, but I figure I'm always surprised if a book that I really liked has anything less than three and a half stars. Um, but it is, it's definitely, if you're looking for a straightforward story um, or a, like a straightforward narrative, this is not it. Um, but if you are willing to just kind of like dive in and just be surrounded by everything that the author has to offer for this story it's it is it really is an experience um yeah and i just i I just i love this book i've been meaning to reread it for a long time um and uh yeah i'm gonna stop babbling about about it (laughs) um yeah it's it's just one if if you think that you might like it just take take the plunge and and read it um Ugh, I'm, I'm now I'm getting like all of the like <laughs> gross shivers talking about it. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I loved it. You'll never want to eat broth again. No, you will Fair not. Warning. <laughs> I was going to, I was just about to ask if you have read it, but that right there, um, you have <laughs> confirmed for me that um, you have indeed read the book. <laughs> yes. Oh my word. I was just like, put it somewhere. Like, why are you leaving it out on a, like, it's uh, anyway. It, if nothing else, <laughs> it will, it, you will have an understanding of how poor uh, food safety <laughs> measures were. <laughs> like every, just everyone in the family is sick because they left out like meat-based products in the sweltering heat, and everyone is sick. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is exactly right. <laughs> Great review. Yes, <laughs> but yes, but in the best way possible. <laughs> Um, so that is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. <laughs> um, someone needs to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Ugh, in the best way possible. A book that's, review by, I was by say, Katie. That, I was going to say, that's the, uh, that's the title of my future autobiography. It really is. It needs <laughs> like, there needs to be a substack or something. Like. <laughs> um, but those are our picks. Those are our four picks. Our threatening book titles, and there are so many more. Like I had, I had a handful I was trying to choose between. Um, so yeah, if if uh, if you've come across any uh, titles that you find particularly threatening and or uh, amusingly threatening, please let me know. I I don't like puns, but I do love a good tongue in cheek threatening book title. <laughs> And I guess it's time for new books, and there are so many good ones. It was really hard to decide. Yes, the beginning of the year is, especially for this year, has so many, um, 
has, has so many interesting books coming out. Um, and since I closed out the segment with my last pick, why don't you go ahead and jump in with yours? We I briefly mentioned this one last week, and now I'm halfway through it, so I wanted to mention it today. And that is The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden. You might know Catherine Arden from The Bear and the Nightingale or um, her middle grade like, horror series. They're both very different stories. Um, so this is um, a actually historical fiction horror novel in The, War- the Warm Hands of Ghosts. So you have two siblings um, and you have Laura. It is it is January of 1918. You have Laura. She is now back in Halifax, Canada after being wounded when she was a nurse on the on the front. And she was actually an officer nurse, which I didn't even know was a thing, but cool. I'm, you know, I, her, you know, doing her job and all that. So she comes home. And so there is actually a bombing in Halifax. So she's actually, we open with her like trying to like tend to people who have been wounded or injured, et cetera, in this bombing on the um, coast of Canada. We also, every other chapter, have her brother's perspective back in November, so a few months earlier of 1917. He is in the trenches. And so it's World War I. We all know the trenches. We've seen the movies. It's horrifying, right? So one of the things that I think is so smart about this book is that most of the horror elements are realistic. Uh, and so war is horrific. That, you know, there's, I think, you know, Mariana Enriquez does this, like real facts are horrific. And so um, we go back and forth between these two um, characters in different points in time. We learn more about them. We know what's going on in the war. And it isn't until like, I'm about halfway through and I'm finally getting some like legit eerie stuff happening. So it is a slow burn on the supernatural front, but you just got to hang in there because stuff does eventually happen. And we need to know, like, is Freddie alive? Is Laura's brother alive? Is he not? We don't know. And that's kind of the big tension that keeps us reading. And oh, it's so good. <laughs> so anyway, that's actually a mini review instead of just a, hey, I'm excited about this, but it's a bonus. There you go. All right, for this week, um, definitely go pick it up. It's oh, so beautiful. <laughs> so well written, too. All right, so my pick is Village in the Dark by Iris Yamashita, um, which is out on February 13th. And the reason why I picked this book is because, well, a couple of reasons. One, I was, I have not yet read her first book. This is part of the uh, Cara Kennedy series. This is the second book in the series. The first book is City Under One Roof which the premise immediately intrigued me. It's based on a real town in uh, rural central Alaska, where the majority of the town's residents live in a single like 14 story skyscraper. Like their apartments are all part of this building. Shopping centers are all part of this building. Like the town is one building that everyone lives in. And in the book, someone is murdered. And so you're kind of like, okay, we got a lot of suspects here that everyone's just kind of like in one place in a very unusual way. And I just thought that premise was fascinating. Um, I am also, I have also been 
avidly watching the latest season of True Detective, which takes place. It's so good. Oh my gosh. And my husband and I are also planning a our big vacation this year to Alaska in the summer, not in the winter. We know better. But I am feeling all of the cold winter thriller mystery vibes. And so I was very excited to see that the second book was out, even though I haven't read the first one yet, but I am going to this year before our trip to Alaska. Anyway, in this one, Village in the Dark, um, this actually takes a big big part of uh, Detective Kennedy's past. She lost her husband and son in what she thought was an accident, but evidence that she uncovers in the in this story points to uh murder rather than an accident and so now she has to try to find out what happened to her family and tied in with this mystery is a woman named Mia who grew up in an isolated village called Unity which was a built as a community of women and children who were in hiding from abusive men And so Mia grew up in this community and then she left home to live in, you know, a town that is, that is not isolated where they aren't sheltered from men. And she knows or knows part of what happened to Detective Kennedy's husband and son, but she has her own reasons for keeping quiet. And yeah, the cover of this book is just so gorgeous. And I just I just have a feeling that if you are like us and have been bitten by the the true detective night season bug, this is just seems like it is ringing all of those bells. So if you want to keep the Alaska thriller vibes going, um, definitely check out Irish Yamashita. The first book, um, which I think came out last year, uh, if not last year, then the year before, that is City Under One Roof. And then the newest book is Village in the Dark, which is out on February 13th. And that's our show. Uh, Thanks to everyone for listening. And of course, thanks so much to our wonderful sound editor, Caitlin Brame, uh, for always making us sound great. Uh, For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. And for even more bookish recommendations, bookish goodness, etc., head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of Book Riot's podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or you can just go to your favorite podcatcher and search Book Riot. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KD Winchester, and you can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.